What about your situation, Sol? Will you be staying at Tottenham? I'm staying. So, Sol Campbell is a hero, but he's no longer in the title. We've got a new name. We hope you like it. Um, just kind of a bit more neutral now without um, without Sol in the name. Um, so, yeah, um, but so we're still still the same podcast, though. So it's, we're still the same people. Um, but we can now talk about what happened this week. Um, we're going to start with the Liverpool versus Spurs game, um, which sadly I wasn't really following because... Arsenal were also playing, um, but um, it, it, it didn't take long for me to figure out there was something going on in this Spurs game. This game scored very early. Uh, yeah, I mean it's another another loss for Spurs this week. Yeah, it's a a, st- a, t- a story that we've we've heard before. Sadly, Spurs lose another Premier League game, another away game against a big side. All these sort of the same sort of themes are recurring again. But it, it started off for me. Uh, very excitedly, very exciting with the 47 second goal from Harry Kane, gave you a bit of hope but even then I thought me, me and my person I was watching it with were um, were still quite nervous even when you won a lot at Anfield you're never confident at Anfield because they are sadly, I hate to say it quite good even though I, I, I despise them um, they are very good and they're a very, very very tough team to play against I remember last year because Arsenal went one up against Liverpool and Maitland-Niles scored, and I was like, oh, we're going to do it, see, who doubted us, we're finishing top four, and then we ended up losing, like, I think it was like 4-1 or something, and Firmino was just brilliant, and yeah, you can't really stop Liverpool when those sort of things happen, and it's a bit annoying, but that's how it is, and that's how it goes, but yeah. Well, well to be fair, we, we didn't lose 5-1, we only lost 2-1, and it was it was quite an unlucky loss, even though they dominated us for large periods of the game. Um, I felt like we were, we had a chance, especially when like later on in the game when Ndombele came on. But for, for most of the first half, I think we were, we were holding on. But towards the end of the game, we, we created some chances, and there was obviously the big one, which was from Sonny when he hit it. He it was technically an open goal miss, I think you can say, but it's it's a very very hard chance to score. And there's these chances in big games, which obviously now looking back on and uh, with hindsight look look horrific, and you sort of think about what well, if we scored them. But the game in the general, in game in general, I thought the biggest problems with Spurs were were the the, the two fullbacks, Aurier and Rose, coined uh, by Roy Keane as Dumb and Dumber, which I thought was very appropriate. They were horrific. Um, Aurier with a stupid penalty given away, even though Manny was was still, I still despise Manny for that. Rose was was bad, was horrific, and and giving the ball away on on, on the left hand side, and and even. Pressured by Henderson, which was Henderson. To be fair, he pressured Rose quite a lot of the game, which meant he um, wasn't great defensively. Um, but there was, there was. I said it before the start of the game. There were lots of weird team selections from from Poch, um, of Ndombele out of Eriksen in, which I didn't think should have happened. I, I don't think, in my opinion, Eriksen shouldn't play for Tottenham until at least January when when his future sorted out. I don't want. Does he, he, he doesn't want to be there clearly. Um, there was weird like the Lamella who's been quite good in it within the past few weeks didn't start as well but, but also with against Liverpool you kind of Eriksen isn't like that sort of pressing player whereas in Dombele if you with Liverpool yeah either they're going to control the whole game or they're going to be constantly attack, pressing you and someone like Ndombele is kind of 
where Man United almost got almost beat Liverpool was they kind of made Liverpool they just kind of was a bit erratic and like Liverpool didn't like know what to expect United didn't have a system there was no structure it was just all over the place really and Liverpool didn't know how to handle that because United were constantly on top of them and it just and so with Spurs like if you start in Dombele I feel like you're bringing someone that can kind of do something random and just press and just cause problems and it's going to hold up Liverpool a bit more than Ericsson is who yes Spurs could have tried to supply Spurs need that supply to whatever Kane and whatnot but I feel like Ndombele probably was the better choice there, especially against Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, it's true. I think that the, the that tactic of sort of throwing everything at Liverpool, they, that was tried last week. Spurs this week tried a more conservative sort of defensive uh, approach to try and annoy them with, with, I think that there was very clearly a command by Poch to tell them, to tell them not, not to be allowed to take free kicks quickly. Um, and Sonny took that very literally and stood in front of them whenever they had a free kick. And, and Soko stood in front of them literally um, he didn't, and, and then he got got yellow card off that. But there, there was a, a very clear attempt to try and frustrate Liverpool to soak up the pressure, um, and then hit hit them on on, on, on contact from a long ball, which didn't really work at the end of the day. Um, and and it was the only, the only reason we scored wasn't because of one of those long balls. We could have scored from the long, one of those long balls with with a sunny chance, but we we scored from a sort of freak uh, moment with a deflection off Lovren towards Kane. It was a good great finish from Kane, but the I think the the result. I'd like to say that I think we could have won. It's, it's we, we can't say that we, we deserve to win. I think we definitely definitely could have won, given like if the, the penalty doesn't happen, which I think was a penalty, was a stupid thing from Aurier to do. But equally, Manny was was a massive, a massive rude word I, I, that I can't say on the podcast. Um, Manny, just just going a little bit on 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 the Manny point. Um, he's I think I think I can think of three examples I think recently. Or within the last few months, have he's done this similar sort of thing of sort of looking for penalties in the box in the most annoying way. When this in in to, on the Sunday when he he just he just given up of playing the ball, he just stood in between Aurier's leg and the ball, not not attempting to play the ball at all, just looking for a penalty. In the in the uh, Champions League final, obviously was was quite a, uh, an example of, of high significance when he just hit the ball completely away from goal. Just crossed it into uh, Mr. Stoker's arm, and there was a, a, a I think last week or a few weeks ago when he got f- sort of fouled against Leicester and then dived after. But I think yeah, L- Liverpool are really really annoying me as a football club, and which is why I really really hope we could win. But sadly that didn't happen, and the the Potch out brigade is getting stronger and stronger every game. Um yeah, well I feel like Spurs. You mentioned it last week. This was kind of the game where it was it's make or break for Spurs. Um, well, I guess it's a break then. I guess it's <laughs> over broken. this season. We're broken. <laughs> There's nothing to play for anymore. We're, we're just a broken football club. Did you see anything? Do you see Spurs grow at all from the game? From how they've been previous? Um, we were good in parts. We were good in parts with with Ndombele coming on. When Ndombele came on, he was very. He played some good balls, and we had some good attacking attacking play, which. I think we should, we showed more in the in the Red Star game, which is why I thought lots of the players shouldn't have been changed. There was far too many changes from that Red Star game where, where the players who didn't want to be at the club weren't on the pitch. Um, I think there are positives to be taken. The fact that we went to Anfield, and, and to be fair, like, to be fair to Liverpool, most teams don't go to Anfield and don't get a result. It's annoying the way that we did it though, when they they could have I mean they, they could have scored a whole bunch of goals in in, in open play. They scored a penalty, annoying goal from a penalty, um, and and uh, and. Uh, and a goal from Henderson, but um, I think yeah, I, I think there, there are positives, not many, 
I think we have we have to have to get new, look at new fullbacks, and I, I I think and I think I don't think Winks can work with this. In 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 some certain games, you have to look at Winks at, and Dombele over Winks. Um, and but yeah, I, I it's not all negative at Spurs, I'd say. Well, Spurs are also going, but they're going back up to Liverpool this week, coming back down. Got Everton. Um, I still think Everton are going to win that now. Like, it's quite a surprise. I used to because I, I used to just think top six. I'm always going into it, even no matter what position. No matter like who the how they're doing, United, Chelsea, yeah. If they're bad in a season, I still think they're going to probably beat whoever they're playing next, as long as they're not another top six side. But with Everton, I just feel now with Spurs, like I feel like Everton are probably favourites, which might be quite a surprise, especially with Spurs have got Champions League to think about midweek. Um, so are they going to be? How how are they going to like balance that? So I don't know. I think Everton are favourites. I don't think you can say favourites with Everton. I think Everton, they just lost this week to Brighton, um, the last minute goal. They're not in amazing form. They, they had a good game into West Ham. Um, I, I, well, last year, we, when we played Everton, we beat them 6-2, and that was one of our greatest performances of the season. Um, if we can do that, I'd love to see that. I'd love, love a nice six goals from Tottenham. I don't think it's going to happen, but i take any win. Any, any away win at the moment, I'd take it. And I think Everton, they're not in the best form, and it's a chance to... Um, maybe right our these wrongs of the last few t- eleven games now away from home we haven't won now. Just it's, it's not 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 looking like a, like a good stat. All these away 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 losses are not helping us. Well, I just think it's going to be too easy for the great wingers that Everton have got in Awobi and Walcott, um, <laughs> the ex Arsenal duo they've got now to just attack Spurs fullbacks. Remind me of when Arsenal used to beat Spurs all those game after game. Hopefully Walcott can do that again. Not happening, not happening. He's been in a couple of five tiers, Walcott, so maybe he can do being a, a new one. Well, he's going to be having a field day if he is coming up against Spurs fullbacks with the way they're playing. Should he start, obviously. I, don't know, but, I, I think Walcott yeah. is, is significantly declined at this point of his career that even playing against like, the Serge Aurier or, or Danny Rose, yeah, I think he still he still struggle because I don't think he's any sort of I don't think he's any any player anymore. I, I've forgotten he's playing for this. Well, he scored last week or I think it's two weeks ago now. Um, I I I don't know what happened in for the past years. I I don't know what happened to his career. He used to be like a promising youngster and all that. He was doing quite well at Arsenal, but I I yeah I I don't think he's got. I think I I think we'll beat Everton, which I've, I've been confident over 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 the last few weeks and that that's backfired. But you always got to think your your team will win. Even if it seems delusional at times. Well, with Walcott, it's funny we're talking about him because it's like if Arsenal could have anyone right now, we're going to move on now. Theo Walcott could be would be an amazing player in the dressing room right now. I think with everything that's going on, someone to lead the team, someone who's been there since since they were a kid. Someone who knows how Arsenal have been. They've played with some great players. They've been there the whole time. Someone like Theo Walcott, I think, he's been captain for Arsenal before as well. He would be perfect right now if he was still at Arsenal. He could be solving so many problems. A leader in the squad that um, that I think we need. And it kind of showed a bit that the whole captain, leader, needing something like that. Not, um, not, not to ruin your uh, nostalgia trip, but I, I remember that when I, when I was once at Arsenal... Which was a mistake at the time. I was, I was watching Arsenal, and I remember um, all the abuse that Theo Walcott used to get when he, whenever he played, and Mr. Shot. Um, <laughs> Arsenal fans, it, when you look back, oh, Walcott was great when you had him at the time. You hated him. Be honest. If you had him back now, you'd hate him as well. No, 
Walker had some great seasons. Walker had some a couple of great seasons like last one. Time. Remember when he he, he he missed out, and I remember in two thousand and no, I remember he missed out one season in two thousand and eight of the England squad, and it was kind of like, what is going on here? Because Walker was playing some brilliant football. Yeah, I remember we beat Barcelona. Him, Van Persie, um, Wilshere, them they were had they were they were all great. Walker had some had some a couple of amazing game seasons. Um, he, when he moved to striker, he did actually a great job there. One of my most memorable games was a hat trick he scored against Newcastle, which was just brilliant. But so yeah, I think Walcott. You can say like, oh, there were points where Arsenal fans hated him, but with the end of Wenger's years, literally everyone in the club was a problem. Like there was no one who could do anything. Yeah. So I feel like you're. you're I, I wouldn't pick on Walcott as, oh, Arsenal fans hated Walcott because I think even. Before he was leaving, it was like, yeah, it's right. It's, it's good to move on now. You're past it. But now to come to now, now we've seen what's going on. We do need someone like Walker to kind of stick around and need that leadership. I, I think it, it's similar to like uh, example like Moussa Dembele, who is a great player, and people are saying how much oh we well if we had him back now. But I, I think it is mainly nostalgia. I don't think it is actually based in reality. Walcott was good for, for short periods of his Arsenal career. But if you had him back now, he'd be pretty average. No, but we're not talking like Walcott wouldn't. We're not talking as a player; he would be amazing. We're talking about as a as a member to be in this squad. I think he would be a great, great, great choice. And so, yeah, we just the, the reason why is obviously Arsenal had this whole this week against um, Crystal Palace, went two 0 up, um, t- um, seemed to be playing quite well, um, and then. VAR came along and it first decided to give Crystal Palace a penalty, which, come to think of it, maybe was a penalty. But the thing I would say was it was a penalty if the ref had given it and and fine. But with the way VAR's being used, that much contact is never, as far as I can remember, being used to overturn something like that since... Probably when in the World Cup, where VAR was just constantly giving things for the smallest because they wanted to kind of show it off a bit. Whereas in the Premier League now, like you saw Spurs Watford last week, where there was like six different times a penalty could have happened, and VAR every time decided to go with let's stick with the referee's decision, and it just didn't. And it decided this week. Okay, people complained last week, and I get why people are annoyed because, and I get why. It's a bit annoying with VAR, and I don't know how they're supposed to deal with it. Because if they don't give decisions, yeah, like, like, like last week they got hatred for not giving decisions, and this week they're now getting hatred for not sticking to how they've been and giving decisions when they maybe should have been given, especially for the first instance. Um, if I can just say something, I think it's, it's similar to, to the, the Mane incident in the Leicester game where he, there was actually contact on, on Zaha and on Mane. But they, I think they are, in both situations, looking for dive and, and looking for contact, which isn't technically illegal. But I think by the rules of the game, then, yeah, I think it's a penalty. There's contact in the box and it's a foul. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, obviously, yes, it probably... I agree, it probably was a penalty. If, like, VAR... Like, if, if you'd said, this is the first week of the Premier League season, ref doesn't give it, VAR gives it, I'm like, OK, fair enough. But because of how it's been used so far, I've not been seeing these sort of tiny little oh it was close and let's go with the VAR over the ref I just haven't seen that that's why it's a bit annoying but like fair enough one decision doesn't go away we're still 2-1 up then Palace go and equalise 
which is just like, okay, this feels like it's going to happen all over again. Someone needs to step up. No one stepped up. Then they had Xhaka coming off. And I think now, thinking about it, the reaction from the fans in no way helped the team get a winner. No way could that help the team. In no way is the fans yeah, booing going to help. that, though. Yeah? And we're going to bring it up in a minute. But I think that's what we... No, no, no. Fine. I'm going to... We're going to speak about Shaq in a minute, but I wanted, I'm just thinking, when we needed someone to step up, that's what we need. We needed someone who was going to step up, and Aubameyang didn't do it again, which is like, okay, we can't just rely on Aubameyang to do it every week, but with someone who I think is world-class, needs to, needs to be just needs to be doing it, and no one did, and then it just was like, VAR came along again right at the death to ruin it. Because we definitely scored, and I got so frustrated because I had no clue what had taken VAR, like what had taken the goal away. I was so confused with what happened. I was like, there was an offside I must have missed that the replays aren't showing. Chambers looks like he might have fouled someone. To be honest, I haven't bothered to look it up because I don't want to talk about it or remember it. I just want to just be, just forget about that game basically happening. But as f- I, I'm, I'm just guessing that it was for Callum Chambers' foul, if you want to call it that, on the Palace defender. But it was just, it was a great finish from Socrates. Yeah? Like, our defenders are doing great scoring. They score- David Luiz got a winner against Bournemouth. David Luiz scored again. Socrates scored again. It's looking like an odd lower league team. Sorry, lower, like, low team just scoring set pieces. That's the only way they can score. I mean, defenders aren't really doing their jobs, to be honest. And then, like, for, for the, the equalising goal from Palace, David Luiz's positioning was, was pretty poor for, for the header. who's caught at the back post. Um, defensively, Socrates or David Luiz aren't great. But they look cool. They score goals. They're mildly exciting to watch, I guess, if I was an Arsenal fan. But do they do their jobs? Not at all, no. <laughs> well, Tierney was back. Tierney had his debut, which was quite fun to see. But we haven't got holding back yet. He still hasn't come back fully into the first team. He'll probably play midweek, I'm going to guess, against Liverpool. Um, I would think, probably, which is going to be a nice tester for him because it's going to be against an actual Premier League opponent, whereas the games he's been playing have been Europa League games and like the cup game against um, Forest, which is like, it's not really like a big tester. Like, but So he'll get, a, even if Liverpool don't start a first team, you're still playing against a Jürgen Klopp team who has a system, knows what he's doing, has always basically done well against Arsenal. So if if Holding does well in that game, it'll be fun, it'll be good to see. Bellerin will probably be back. And I think we'll probably try and start a first-team defence against Liverpool. Um, so that'll be interesting to see, depending on who else plays and all that. So I think, yes, Socrates and, Steph- and, Socrates and Louise haven't been the best. They, they're doing a job. Whether or not it's the job they've been asked to do is is different. Um, so so yeah, I I feel like the defense is shaping. There is a tiny bit of optimism I've still got, but I think the main point, the main talking point from this week was Xhaka, and that kind of ruins all the optimism I had. Um, it's interesting with him, um, but I, before I give my opinion, I was just. Interested what what you thought about the whole um, incident? First, first thing I'd like to say is that Grant Xhaka has lived my dream. Um, telling Arsenal fans to f off live in the stadium, something I've always wanted to do. 
Um, <laughs> I wish I could wish I could do that. Just seems like fun. He he seems like like he enjoyed himself. Um, but on a more serious um, note, um, Arsenal fans are disgusting. Simple. Arsenal fans are disgusting. Xhaka's reaction was disgusting. But I I think the the bigger point the bigger point is Arsenal fans booing your own player. It's just stupid. It's just stupid. Like it, it, from what I heard, he he didn't even have that that bad of a game. I, I was watching him with the Spurs game at the time, but he, and and it's just it's scapegoating for Arsenal's problems um, on one player. And and there's is it, 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 like Arsenal fans think that they're just Jacker away from being a top four team. You wait, you wait, 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 way, way further than that. And Jack is not the biggest problem. He's your club captain. Even if you don't think he should be your club captain, you don't boo him in your in your own stadium. It's it's embarrassing. And if I was an Arsenal man, I'd be totally embarrassed of this. And I don't think, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't think that there's been any example um, that I remember at least of a Spurs player being booed in that way for doing virtually nothing wrong. At least while they were playing for Tottenham, I don't remember anything that happened. Like there was a similar situation with Unis Kabul when when. Spurs fans wanted Lloris to be captain and Kabul got the captaincy. I don't remember Kabul ever being booed by top by Tottenham fans. I think it's an it's an Arsenal fan, a, a, tox, a toxic fan base thing. And I think Jacques is obviously wrong his reaction, but the fans are disgusting, full stop. Okay, my, the way I saw Xhaka incident though was no one was in the right, everyone was in the wrong. Pretty much the same as me. <laughs> it's not... It's not neither's to blame. It's not. It's it. That's what happens. It was both people, both sides, and I don't want to talk. It's not all Arsenal fans because I was watching a couple of things, and I could see that there was a, there's some Arsenal fans that are obviously against it, but the amount of people that are criticising Xhaka for it, I think they need to kind of. I don't know, like because obviously Xhaka was in the wrong for doing what for like ripping his shirt off, throwing the captain armbands down and all that. But in the heat of the moment, you understand something like that, yeah? He's, his, his aim is to not... His aim is to win. His aim isn't to... He's not trying to be bad. <laughs> yes? However much he's... However much he is, he's not He's not trying to do that. He's doing his best. Arsenal signed him. And if he doesn't perform, obviously we can blame him for his performances. But when he gets frustrated by fans booing him and all that, fair enough to him for doing that. He shouldn't have done it, but as long as he understands that he did something wrong, he's in the right now. As for Arsenal fans now criticising him constantly... As as we it, record, he still hasn't released an apology of any sort, so maybe he... I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he does feel sorry, but he hasn't said anything public yet. Well, I feel like he's trying to think of how he wants to respond. Yeah, it could be the end for him. If he doesn't play for Arsenal again, then... He doesn't need to respond that much, does he? If he's not, play- if he doesn't plan on playing. I don't think that's going to um, That's unrealistic. Uh, but he's he's a club captain. He needs to make a point. But as for as for the fans and their reaction to it, it's annoying to see people start going. Oh, Emery's uh, sorry, Jacques this, Jacques that. Uh, it's all Jacques' fault because like he has been made a scapegoat for a lot of things. Um. And just in general, like him and Mustafi specifically, are the ones that Arsenal fans are constantly. If 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 it was Mustafi, he's going to get the same reaction. There was a whole like instance a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, he's been made captain. Um, it's like it's not his fault. He was chosen to be captain. Yeah, like fans going, oh, that was how like they, it felt like a lot of the booing was because he was the captain as well. Like if if he wasn't captain, I don't know if the booing would have been there because. Also want to see leadership, and they don't get that from him. But the fact that he's been made captain is not his fault again. 
Like, I have to, he has to have, some people need to defend him. And I've seen a lot of people high up and just in, like, around Xhaka have been defending him. Obviously, there was Terreira who was shown he's very upset by the situation. There have been quite a few people that have been defending Xhaka, and I feel like that's fair. Um, But I'm just, we need to see now, because Emery has made comments today saying um, Xhaka needs to apologise. And by, by that sounding, it doesn't seem like Xhaka is very happy to apologise. Like, by the fact that it's Emery, who's obviously spoken to Xhaka, like he said, um, about the whole instance, he has probably told Xhaka to apologise, and Xhaka's basically saying, no, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't... I, obviously, we, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, so that's just a bit worrying that Emery has kind of said that comment, like he's not apologising. Um, so it's just kind of how we're going to see. I think... Everyone at Arsenal, no matter who, what position you were in, agreed with what Bellerin said. And what Bellerin put forward was an amazing comment about how it's all about unity and everyone needs to get together and it's not just about hating. And everyone wants Bellerin to be captain now, <laughs> funnily enough. Um, but um, yeah, Bellerin, is, uh, just talking about him as an individual, he's shown a lot of... I've, I know a lot of people on Twitter and all that that really like Bellerin off the field. He is... He kind of... It seems like he's a good human being. Wouldn't go, wouldn't go that far. Wouldn't, obviously, wouldn't I don't know far. him personally. But... I, I feel like... He, he he wants the best for everyone, really, it seems. He just seems like a very nice person. I'd love to speak to him. Obviously, <laughs> I'd love to have him on the podcast. Um, but, yeah. So, I think Bellerin is... The, and he was the first one that spoke, which is quite like a big thing to do, I, you feel like. Who's going to make the first move? And it, it was hopefully going to be Xhaka, but it was Bellerin. It was a very politician-esque move, what he did. It was just like, don't blame anyone, don't blame anyone particularly, don't put the blame on anyone, just sort of vague values of unity and togetherness. It wasn't really uh, an actual analysis of what happened. It was sort of a, a little motivational tweet. Um, it, it, it was sort of an, an, an Instagram post. You can imagine, um, I don't, I don't remember the exact words, but put that on, 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 a, on a nice background and you can see something, someone, one, some, some Instagram model posting it. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but that's what I feel like because I just want to forget about the whole incident happening. That's the whole thing with it. I just want to forget, forget it happening. It's... So the comment isn't like, oh, yes, Jacques was in the wrong or any of that. Like People just want to forget it happened and I feel like Arsenal fans that were booing are, you know, are probably going to... Re- Hopefully, are regretting it now. Well, if he leaves the club, they're like, not. They hope. Hopefully, they regret it. Well, no, because I don't feel like. Oh, he. he, he oh, if he leaves the club, it's because we booed him out. Like that isn't a nice. You don't want to get that reputation that of, of, your the fans can kind the fans are are not nice to the players and players want to leave because fans aren't nice to them. You don't want that reputation with following you around as fans. And you're saying it's not the first time this has happened with Arsenal. Um, there's been a few other players that haven't been happy with the fans, how, how fans have treated a... them. Um, interestingly enough, one thing I did notice, which is funny how you're saying we brought up with Walcott nostalgia, was Meza Ozil was getting a very loud cheer sitting on the bench. Arsenal fans were chanting his name. The amount of abuse he's had over the past couple of months, and rightly deserved or not, and how whether or not he should be playing or not, Arsenal fans 
it's kind of all over the place now because there was everyone was cheering for the, the nostalgia is, is an um, overdrive they want us everyone wants to see him but people just people are crashing with yeah, over nostalgia you kind of understand that's just that, that that's weird it's just weird how human beings are like that like it genuinely was like Arsenal fans were really like, oh, we want Mesut Arsenal. In a minute, we're going to want, I don't know. <laughs> I think I saw earlier this week as well, some Arsenal fans talking about Abu Diaby and how amazing he was for their club. <laughs> like, in a minute, we're going to want Andre Santos back. <laughs> That's just, it's amazing. We're just, it's just like, what is going on with Arsenal? So what is going on with Arsenal? I have no clue. It's all a mess. We just need to get back on track. You, We're still fifth. Sure. You, you're saying that you want to you want to move on and forget, basically. Um, but I do. I think it's important that there is a, like a, a public um, a public inquest into what, or at least like a, a, a response from Jacques, a response from from Emery. There is needs to be a public response because it was a public um, act of uh, bet- not betrayal or, or not. Bet- that's the wrong word of of disgracing the club which honestly which again disgracing Arsenal football club good thing to do but as an Arsenal fan if you're an Arsenal fan what Xhaka has done is, is disgrace, disgrace your club and there needs to be a public response to that from someone in a high position maybe Josh Kroenke if you want to say something but ideally I think Granite Xhaka should come out apologise um, and then, then move on but I, 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 don't, I don't think just saying just ignoring it is, is a healthy attitude no obviously if there will be some sort of address from either Emery or from Xhaka about the whole situation. There's now talks of who will be captain next. Is he, is he going to stay captain? Emery has refused to comment on that. Um, um, I feel like... I don't want to say it because I don't want him to be captain, but I feel like if he stays as captain, it says a lot about the club because it means... It kind of sends a message to the fans of you're not in control of us. We want We want the best. We're sticking to our decisions and... Jack can stay captain, and I feel like this could be a pick me up for the whole team in a way, especially for Xhaka, who's kind of who we haven't seen any real leadership from yet. This could be like he's gonna want to, he wants to make it right, he wants everyone on his side, he's gonna make it better. And even if before, even if his performances aren't there, if he can show some sort of leadership and, and motivation towards everyone after this, I feel like. It could be it could be an amazing thing that happens to Arsenal. This, obviously, if Xhaka now goes and refuses to play, it could it it will be awful. If Xhaka just says I'm not doing this anymore, as we've said, like Arsenal will have that reputation of fans, of fans basically abusing players, and you don't know who wants to play for Arsenal if that's going to be the case. And it, and it, it we've just it, there was a history of players getting a lot of abuse from fans with Arsenal because we haven't played so well over the last few years and obviously Wenger out was probably the biggest thing in that and now Emery seems to be getting that abuse now but we're still fifth in the league so it's all like we're I say for a friend of the podcast Claude um, did finally say it's time to go so that that the the Emery out movement is fully underway I loved I can't wait to see it go on the banners and <laughs> thanks for the memories but enough is enough can't wait. A lot of a lot of fans still are not on the a lot of the fans still are not on the uh, the Emery the Emery out out brigade let's call it but people like Claude and all that who Claude who who said himself though last season he was already Emery out when we lost to Chelsea there there are a lot of people I feel like there will be some fans who will who try and who who just beat Emery out for the sake of it 
rather than actually realising, actually thinking it through and going, okay, if we do Emery out now, what's going to happen to the next manager, next manager, next manager? Like, that's kind of the stage you have to think. And I think most fans are still thinking, Emery still needs some time. We can't just kick him out after a year and a half because we're kind of constantly revolving managers who fail after one season. We still don't know how this season's going to end. There's, I can't believe anyone's saying don't give him to the end of the season because if we manage to finish in top four or we manage to get into the Champions League somehow, he's had a successful season. He's done what he's been asked. Yeah, It's all we're out of, the, out of anything yet. We're fifth in the league. We're doing comfortable in the Europa League. We're just in a bit of a bad run, it seems. And, and, and I just feel like you can't just... At least give him to the end of the season. Don't don't say he's, he should be leaving now because I just don't see that being a big problem. The only the funny thing. Okay, so moving on from Arsenal though, we're fifth. Um, Spurs and United are both doing terribly. Arsenal shouldn't be worried about them. The team that is probably worrying most teams in the league is Leicester and how they're playing because they look good again. Well, the nine nil. I mean, I sat, that was on the Friday night. I mean, that, that was a crazy game. That the last time we had nine was was Man United Leicester, which is, I think is uh ninety seven, I think it was. Um, and it's just a, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. For think Leicester, they had the massive shock, obviously in in uh, fifteen, sixteen when they when they won the league. Uh, but this team is what I think is is a more of a credit to to the manager because this team is not a bunch of players who let's say let's put it kindly are not great. Te- technically gifted like examples of Danny Simpson or Danny Drinkwater or these players who in other clubs in other teams may, may not be as good they were obviously in, in, in the title winning team there were quite, quite there was like Mares, there was Kante there were players who were good but this Leicester team now um, with Madison Tielemans uh, Vardy again all these players who were there because of because of quality and then now now that they're, they're there not because not because they, they they won the lottery like 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 they did in fifteen sixteen, um they're there out of out of merit which I think is a is a massive credit to to the team and and to Brendan Rodgers and how they built the team as well because they obviously sold Maguire for eighty odd million and they they seem to have invested that money very well because Tilly Mans has been a great signing, Jose Perez obviously got his his that hat trick against Southampton that's another great signing so they've actually built a team rather than got lucky like it felt with Kante and Mares they just got lucky with two. Two, two signings um, and that's kind of like okay that's how it works like Southampton have just not all Southampton sorry with just just teams bringing in a couple of one or two superstar players whereas this was like they've built a strong team with with money and obviously you don't want money controlling football but they've it's not like they spent huge amounts but they've built a strong team on their own accord and I think they're fully deserving of of, how, of what they're doing, they've been much better than Arsenal have been this season, and I and obviously Spurs. <laughs> I'm not arguing <laughs> um, with that. And and they 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 they. And it, I don't know how they can play because I don't know how they've, I don't know what kind of expectations, but they in theory they could be the kind of team that's going to be tagging along City and Liverpool for the rest of the season. It it seems they could be that, and. And it's just good when a, a non-top six as well because you kind of you kind of can root for them without feeling bad for yourself. Obviously, I'd rather I want Arsenal to finish above Leicester because it'd be important. We want to get top four, and I don't want to see. I'd rather I'd rather Leicester finish third than anyone else. Obviously, a bar Arsenal, but um, I do. If it means Arsenal or Leicester, obviously I'm choosing Arsenal. 
But um, yeah, Leicester look good and they look... And also I've got them coming up as well in a couple of weeks. And I'm actually worried because they're probably a lot harder than some of the teams. We've, like we played United and I was a bit worried. How are we going to get a result? We only man- we managed a draw with Leicester. I, I don't expect how... I think it's like you're basically playing another top six side. So obviously you think you can win it. But if you lose, is that like, oh, you've had a bad game? I don't know. I think Leicester, Leicester haven't been. Leicester, Leicester aren't generally amazing against uh, top six clubs. I, I, I don't know if that. I think I, I just remember them. Like when, you, when Tottenham play them in general, they've not been particularly amazing. They, they, they beat Arsenal obviously this year with uh, a quite a good game from them. Fair enough. But I, in generally, <laughs> generally, I think in in big games, I don't think they're as good as they are against like Southampton or something like that. They, they look amazing right now, and I, I think it, it could be different, but. I think Arsenal, if if they play well, which I hope they don't, and I hope Leicester play well, um, I think I think Arsenal can actually. It's, it's only going to be too much of an ask to say they can beat Leicester. On paper, Leicester are very vulnerable defensively, especially like they are. They look vulnerable on paper, but they don't seem to be playing that way. Um, and I feel like I'm worried for Leicester because I feel like in theory they could become a team that not replaces a top six, but not an Everton. But a team that is going to be top seven every year, if they can build on this, because it's not like it's I not. I think like, being an Everton isn't isn't really a good thing. No, I'm saying though that they could be an Everton that is actually not an Everton, is actually another top six side, if they can build on these sort of players. Like Madison's very young, Tielemans is very young, um, Sonchu in defence is very young. So it's not like they've got um, a team that. They've got a team that could develop well. I'm worried for the players like Madison, who everyone's just linking him to a big team. He's just going to be sold for 50 million, and then there'll be an Everton, and just they'll always be up there. But they're just going to be these big. The players who do well are just he's going to go for way more than 50. Well, the, I, that was just the last figure I saw from him was 50 million. United were going to pay 50 million for him, but obviously, I just I just hope he he, he I hope. I don't want obviously any contender to Arsenal. You don't want to see do. You don't want any to you to do well. Anyone who's going to cause your team issues, you don't want them to do well. But I hope part of me wants them to keep their team around and actually cause some competitions because that's what the Premier League's kind of why everyone loves the Premier League. It's it's anyone can win any game, yeah, and and you want teams to do. It's just if I yeah, wasn't I, I an had Arsenal a, I had fan, a similar thing with. Um... I had a similar thing with with the Newcastle Watford game um, of a philosophy of, of of you want the teams around you to do badly. So I was cheering on Watford. I was very happy when Newcastle dropped points because the teams around us are doing badly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it's just if I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I would want Leicester to kind of do very well and keep this for, and go, keep this going for years and years and years. And it's it's just. I, I don't know like what to make of them really now because they are very good and I'm 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 just worried now because we've got to face something. Who knows what's going to happen? So, So, hero of the week this week is Granada Football Club. Um, they are top of La Liga after 10 games, which is very surprising. Um, yeah, they're 
they kind of they're kind of doing very well, um, and they're beating they're they're ahead of Barcelona and Real Madrid in the league, which is which is very surprising. Um, uh, funny enough, uh, they they so they funny enough they used to have Tony Adams as a manager, um, who has kind of apparently done some did some very good stuff when he was there. He didn't do very well as a manager there, from from what I can remember. Um, he left a, he, he as a, as a, as as the performances were, but. Um, when he started there, there was five Spaniards in the squad, and he basically made a whole point about they they need to restructure their whole system and how they're going, and they need to focus on bringing through Spaniards, and and they basically they've basically done that. Um, but now they've got the youngest manager in the league actually in Diego Martinez. Um, he's thirty eight, and he's the youngest manager in La Liga, but he's now got on top of the league, and it's kind of like a hero story almost for these. People who they've not been, they've not been, um, they've not been, they've, they've never really had a history, but they're top. But, but give or take a game in hand that Barcelona and Real Madrid have. <laughs> but um, yeah, they're doing like no one really knows Granada Football Club for much. But yeah, they're doing very well. So, so I mean, yeah, it's a it's a week. great story. They are because a newly promoted team. It's it's effectively a, a a FIFA a FIFA career mode thing where you just just play on just you just play the same level and and the, there's no re- no realism. It <laughs> also, we should mention that their striker is none other than the legend himself, Roberto Soldado, Bobby Soldado. Good luck for him, <laughs> rooting for him, <laughs> and hope hope Granada win the league. Uh, but to move on to villain of the week, this week goes to um, UEFA for their uh, measly minute uh tiny ban on on the bulgarian football association um for their racism against england so this is this thing has been going around on social media to put a little perspective on the size of the ban that was that been given to bulgaria um bulgaria were founded for fined 64 grand which for me so it seems quite like quite a lot um if you, if you find me 64 grand that's quite a lot um but uh, to put it in perspective, Huddersfield, when they had their stunt for uh, their Paddy Power stunt, were fined fifty grand. Nicholas Bentner was fined seventy grand for his Paddy Power. Sorry, his his certain for for a specific uh, betting company's un- underpants on during the game. <laughs> I think that I think that that that, that was how it was, it was reported on Sky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it really shows the lack of commitment to actually fighting racism um, from UEFA. And, and and just all these like you can't have these 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 hashtags of equal game and all this sort of nice stuff respect on the sleeve, um, but then you give measly fu- measly fines to full on Nazis. Um, I don't think that, that that's not good enough at all. There has to be serious action, and it doesn't involve just tweeting a hashtag and everything goes away. But so for villain of the, of the week this week are UEFA for their small fine on the Bulgarian. Football Association. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, we obviously now have a new name, so please share share this around and kind of follow us if you haven't yet on our social media. The Battle of North London podcast. Um, uh, so yeah, thank you so much for listening. So Campbell is a illustrator. Um, <laughs> thank you for listening. Come on, come on, come on.